0: Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Sticks in the Sips. i I'm your host Andrew Forbes here with my co-host Peter Barachini. Peter, another great week. We're into the off season officially, and uh, man, how's it going over there?
1: It's weird that we have to consider October as the off season. I mean, that's that's just me right now, but here we are. It is what it is. But I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm. Pumping up, or I'm just getting really excited for the draft in the off season right now, like you said. And it's October. I got a whole list
0: of horror movies to watch on AMC Fear Fest, so I got that going on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, like you said, a year ago yesterday, we were starting the 2019-2020 season. Um, obviously, crazy times have have uh, changed the way that hockey's played. At this point, we got the hockey uh, sea or hockey weather moving in. And, uh, unfortunately no hockey to watch with yeah. it. So, um, that's, uh, that's definitely hard for, for us hockey fans, but, uh, yeah, you nailed it on the head. Uh, you know, Halloween season, um, all those good horror movies, you got the final destinations, you have the screams, the mm-hmm. Halloweens. Um, you want to talk about a documentary I just watched on Netflix. I watched uh, American murder, um, and, uh, for any parent out there right now, um, I highly recommend it, but you're going to feel sick to your stomach at the end of it. Ooh. It, uh, it's, it's a shocking documentary. I don't want to give anything away. Um, but it's, uh, it, uh, it, it, blows your mind. Um, so I know my, my father-in-law watched it. My wife watched it. I watched it. It's, uh, it's, it's out there, but it's definitely, definitely one to check out. So American, uh, American murder uh, take a look when you can. I'll have uh, to
1: put that on my recommended.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely highly recommend it. Uh, it's like I said to you, I think last week I'm, I'm into those documentaries and Mm -hmm. man, this, this one was pops up and it, it, it was a good one. It was definitely a good one. Um, Getting into the, the off-season talk, uh, you know, you and I have both mentioned it. Uh, we're both very excited for this off-season as there seems yes. to be a lot, a lot of chatter going on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, signings, trades, rumors flying out there. Our Leafs are involved in a couple of them. So, you know, obviously that that piques our interest a little bit. Um, a but, little bit. Uh, yeah, just a little bit, eh? <laughs> But uh, first, before we get into any of the news, I just wanted to quickly correct myself from last week. Um, in our interview with Mark Shag, I did mention that uh, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois was taken fourth overall. He was actually taken third overall. So I apologize to Columbus fans. I apologize to uh, Pierre-Luc. Um, obviously, you know your third overall talent. And uh, yeah, so um, apologies for that. Like, like we've said in the past you know we're spewing out so much so much information in this uh, in, in this podcast that uh, you know sometimes we just we get it wrong and and uh, if we notice it or if you guys notice it let us know and we can we can jump right on that the following episode so
1: it's human nature with mistakes and especially when we're doing something like this like you said, constantly talking you know lots of facts, lots of numbers lots of figures we're bound to slip up every now and then but it is what it is man
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, going from there, let's, let's get into this off season talk. Like I said, there's a lot to do this week. Um, starting with Mark Stahl, another Stahl trade this off season. We've already seen Eric go one, uh, one direction. Now we've got, uh, Mark Stahl traded to the Detroit Red Wings from the New York Rangers, along with a 2021 second round draft pick. Um, obviously the, the 33 year old has been a, a mainstay on the, on the New York Rangers blue line for, uh, For some time, and the Rangers are looking at uh, future considerations in return. So, uh, more of a salary dump. Um, Stahl's played 13 seasons in the NHL and a good move for Detroit. or, Or, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's a good move move for both sides, really. I mean, Red Wings are in a rebuild stage, right? So you want to have some good veteran presence and players that can help out with the younger kids, especially on defense where, you know, they're quite lacking right now. So to have someone like Mark Stahl come onto a young team and getting that draft pick just helps them with their rebuild so much. In terms of the Rangers, I mean, I'm not saying it's difficult, but... With everything that happened this year with winning the Lafreniere sweepstakes, they're in a good spot to sign some of their younger players right now. Um, You know, you got some younger talent that's going to need a contract later on, Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. Um, But honestly, I you also got key RFAs like Ryan Strom and uh, Brandon Lemieux who had kind of a good year and you ha- also have to look at in the future with Filippito, Capo Caco, Pavel Bucinevic as well but at the same time I think that they are poised to possibly make a not a big splash but a splash in the free agent market to try and help bolster their depth after you know what was didn't what seemed like hey yeah you know they were probably gonna have a good season but not as great as we thought but then hey they made the playoffs so um, yeah, I think they could only go further from here with the added cap space.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the biggest thing for Detroit is obviously, like you said, they're going through a rebuild right now. We we saw it with the Leafs and we've seen it continuously with the Leafs, um, just adding those veteran guys, you know, deeper into the lineup um, to, to more help with the off-ice stuff and, and how to be a professional and, and play the game properly. And um, I think that's what Mark Stahl is going to be in, in Detroit. You, you won't see him eat up too, too many minutes, but, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be maybe a second pairing guy where he can go out there and, and add some, add some grit and some veteran uh, presence to that blue line, um, on obviously a young team. So, um, I think it's a good move by Iserman. Obviously we've seen what Iserman can do with a team. Um, and, and I think this is just a, a classy move by him to pick up a guy like that and, and helps New York shed, shed a little bit of, um, uh, cap space. So, uh, solid move for both sides, like you said, um, you know, and uh, just adds more flavor to our off-season talk. So, mm-hmm. um, and it also depends on what it, like
1: does at the draft, because I know they got a number of picks in this year's draft, even next year as well. Uh, yeah, they got a ton of picks in the first three rounds, so they're poised to add to their depth. And you know what, they're they're in a good spot in the rebuilds. Iserman has been smart getting those draft
0: picks. So, yeah, no, and like you said, uh, you know, we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. But uh, he's definitely yes. a guy that uh, has the ability and the knowledge to build a, a solid team. And Detroit's been uh, waiting for one for a few years now. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, like I said, a a solid addition in Mark Stahl. Um. Going off that, we have a number of signings to kind of run through. I'll just run through them real quick. Uh, Robert Haig signed an extension with Philadelphia. Uh, Tristan Jari signed an extension with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Robin Lehner signed a five-year extension with the Vegas Golden Knights. Laurent Broussard signed an uh, extension with the Jets. And Brian Elliott signed an extension with the Flyers. So the Flyers, obviously, uh, quite busy over the mm-hmm. last little bit. Um What do you think of their signings? I mean,
1: Brian Elliott was a capable backup right behind um, uh, Carter Hart. I don't know why I was blanking out there for a quick second, but uh, – yeah, I think it's it's reasonable. I mean, he's he's known to come in and provide that solid backup relief every now and then. So it's a good move on their part to still you know, rely on Carter Hart. But it's to tell Brian Elliott, hey, you're our guy if anything happens to Hart. So that's good on that end. And I really like Robert Hagg. I think he was an underrated aspect of Philadelphia's D this year. And given the fact that it was, you know, a really good contract for them, he looked really good in the playoffs as a third pairing guy. So he's got great value, a steady increase from what he previously made. And he was a major key factor for them. And I think they bolstered, uh, or like solidified their
0: depth for a few years now with him. Yeah, no. And, uh, obviously you mentioned it, Hague, a two inked a two year deal, uh, worth 1.6 million annually. So, um, a good signing, good team signing, uh, the 25 year old, uh, has uh, has played a number of games for, for uh, the Flyers. Um, you know, he, he led the Flyers in hits during the during the season in Philadelphia with 136. So a guy that isn't afraid to play the physical side, which fits right in with what Philadelphia is all about. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't really complain about that, especially when you've got him as a third pairing guy. Um, he's, he's definitely a guy that could kind of move up into that second pairing if needed. Uh, eat up a few more minutes. Um, and, and like you said with uh, Elliot, you know, one year, $1.5 million deal. This is a guy who's kind of tailing off at the end of his career here. But uh, in 2019-20, he went 16-7-3 and in 31 appearances with a 287 goals against average yeah. and 899 save percentage. So um, again, obviously a guy that, uh, you know, great to have that veteran presence, especially with a young tendy like, uh like Carter Hart. Um, you know, I don't think Hart needs as much help as, as maybe some other young players as he seems to be, you know, reining it in for, mm-hmm. uh, for Philadelphia, but you know, anything happens and, and you've got a, a, a legitimate backup in, in Brian Elliott there who's, who's proven over the years that he can come in and, and be a, be a, a solid one B. So, um, you know, I, I like both th- signings, uh, it does change the goaltending market a little bit. And obviously mm-hmm. with, with us talking with the the Leafs and, and um, Frederick Anderson uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about goaltending and um, more so to that point with the Penguins re-signing Tristan Jari to a three year, $10.5 million extension that changes it even more because now mm-hmm. we're talking about Matt Murray and um, you know, I think it's a good signing by, by the Penguins uh, still relatively low annual cap hit. Um, and he's proven that he, he can be a guy that they can rely on, especially with that kind of team up in front of him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tristan Jari three years at uh, 3.5 million annually. What are your thoughts, Peter? Well, it's almost certain that Matt Murray is probably going to get dealt. I mean,
1: it, even if they plan to keep on to him and sign him, you it doesn't make sense to have two starting goaltenders at, on your roster when one could possibly be a starter anywhere else, right? Especially if one's going to be spending most of the time as the backup, which I think Matt Murray will probably be the backup in that case. So that just makes Matt Murray more expendable than before that, but now that they signed him for three years going forward. And Jerry had an amazing year. I mean, I picked him up in fantasy hockey and man, whole. Oh, He was solid for me at times because I was in battling for playoff spots. But um, that aside, it's it's a good move. I mean, it's interesting to see where Matt Murray may end up now. And it adds to the like you said, it adds to the whole goaltender carousel year of where goalie may go. And. Yeah, I just think that. I. It seemed like Matt Murray from the start was going to be the starter. Rough year. Tristan Jerry came in, just ran with it. And now all of a sudden you're looking to shot Matt Murray and Matt Murray's facing the same fate of what happened with Marc-Andre Fleury a few years ago. So it's very coincidental how that happened.
0: Yeah. And uh, it just seems like Pittsburgh's able to recycle goaltenders uh, quite Mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. Obviously, you know, if you have the talent and you have the youthfulness, uh, you want to kind of move through that and get them while they're in their prime. Um, that said, I don't think Murray's even past his prime. And, and you know, he'd be a solid pickup for any team, especially with the market the way it is. You know, there's a bunch of teams that will be looking for goaltenders. Yeah. Um, I know we heard uh, we heard from Steve Eisman saying that, you know, obviously the Red Wings won't be bringing back Howard. So there's there's a open opportunity there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, you know, obviously our Leafs, which we've, we've talked about and, and their, their interest in, in possibly looking through the goalie market this off season as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, solid, solid, uh, signing, obviously, you know, if you can get a guy and he becomes your starter for, for, uh, you know, three and a half million, you're sitting pretty well, uh, in terms of your, your payroll. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Murray ends up. I can make a wild guess here and say that he's definitely not interested in being a backup at this point in his mm-hmm. career. Um, that said, we've seen other goaltenders uh, like Jake Allen have to take a backseat uh, to some of these younger players, and um, you know that uh, that that yeah, it just it kind of changes it for you. So. Um, it'll be interesting to watch, but uh, I think there's definitely going to be some more moves in the off season that, uh, that, you know, we'll be talking about in the coming weeks when, as it comes, as it uh, pertains to goaltending. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, this was a
1: down year for Matt Murray I and mean, like, we're not going to sugarcoat it, but he in Pittsburgh in 18 and he's always had a save percentage above 900. 923, 919, 907. This is the first year where it was below 900. So, yeah, I mean, and not only that, when another goalie is trying to take your spot, obviously you kind of not necessarily feel threatened at a time, but you feel like, OK, well, this is my chance to prove it. And it gets to you at some, at certain points. So I think that factor may have played in that you know, younger, younger kid is coming up. I got to be on my best. It doesn't quite work out, but you know what? If you go to another team, you won't have to deal with that pressure or, or the fact that someone's hovering over your shoulder.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of talk about like how, you know, having that younger goaltender or that, that guy that's behind you, pushing you can, can make you better, but it can also make you worse. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in a lot of cases, you know, some, some of the goal, remember goaltenders are wacky guys. Like they're, they're wacky people, man. They, they got their superstitions. They've got, they've got their, their ways of, of doing things before games and, and, and after games and, and, you know, just their way of thinking. Let's think back to Ilya Briskolov for a second. Like, Mm -hmm. man, these, these are odd, odd, uh, individuals, but you know, sometimes having that pressure on you. Does make you fold a little bit, and uh, you know that might be the case in Pittsburgh, and and maybe Tristan is the guy, and and maybe they're seeing something in him that, you know, moving forward. I mean, their their window is not going to be there; it's not going to be open forever. Um, no. They've got a few more years left with uh, Crosby, Malkin at their absolute prime, and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think now's the time to get it done. And if they think Jari's the guy, then you know maybe yeah. maybe that's the case. Maybe Jari's the guy two more years with Malkin, two more years with Latang, five more with
1: Crosby before they're all UFAs. Yeah. So, so now if
0: the you're time looking to at it,
1: maybe two years at the most, because let's say, say Crosby probably isn't going anywhere. You could assume Malkin isn't going anywhere and Latang, but to err on the side of caution, you got two
0: more years basically. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and, and just deepening this, this, tunnel of goaltending in the offseason. I mean, this is like, this seems like the goaltending episode right now. I think that, you know, let's, let's title it the goaltending episode. 2020 um,
1: year of the goalies.
0: Yeah, exactly. You want to talk about a, a crazy, interesting year. Let's talk about the crazy, interesting people that are getting dealt that are signed in this, in this time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, Winnipeg Jets uh, signed goaltender, Laurent Broussard. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a one year, 1.5 million dollar contract. Uh, he'll be likely backing up uh, Connor Hellebuck um, when the next season does take off. Uh, BC native, he had 40 games over the last two seasons with the Jets, and in those games, he's he has a 19-13 and three record with a 2.87 goals against and a 9-12 save percentage. So obviously, you know. Not a huge signing, but uh, another spot where you're seeing a team just lock up a, an option. And uh, obviously, we're going to get into, as the year rolls on, we're going to get into a lot of t- chatter about uh, the upcoming expansion draft for Seattle mm-hmm. and making sure that you have goaltenders under contract. So this, obviously, this won't affect it, but uh, you'll, you'll see some of these contracts where they just lock up guys just to make sure that they have another uh, goaltender on their roster. Um to, to to kind of have that option available when the uh, expansion draft takes place. So, um, yeah, decent signing by the Jets. I, I I don't really have much more to say on it. I don't think we've seen enough of uh, Boisseau to to really make make a judgment on on how big of a uh, you know a, a signing that is for them. But I think obviously in Winnipeg, Hellebuck's the guy. And uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's all I really have to say about that one. I mean, yeah, there's. I mean,
1: he hasn't had much experience in the NHL. Most was 21 games in 2018 19. After that, well, 19 this year, 12, uh, 14 in 2017 18. So he hasn't had a whole lot of experience at the NHL level, but he has put up good numbers at times. I mean, there's a rough year in, with five games in Edmonton, but it seemed like. Last year, 2018-19, he provided some steady backup for the Winnipeg Jets. And let's face it, Connor Hellebuck has been one of the busiest goalies in the past few years, along with Freddie Anderson. I mean, I've looked at the stats quite a bit, and it's always Anderson, Hellebuck 1-2 and saves and everything like that. So if it means decreasing his workload, you know, Brasov could be kind of your guy to like put him in every now and then.
0: Yeah, no, Exactly. Uh, And and then, yeah, lastly, I just want to get into this deal because this is something we've talked about probably for four straight weeks. Um, Robin Laner signs a five-year, $25 million contract. We talked about the possibility that he already had this in place prior to the restart. Mm -hmm.
1: It's official.
0: It's official. He sort of denied (laughs) it when the the reports came out. That said, obviously, we, we knew there's smoke, there's fire, there's a contract in the making. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, Robin Lander, five years that begs the question, where is Marc-Andre Fleury in 2020,
1: 2021? Toronto. No, I'm just joking. Um,
0: (laughs) I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I really
1: don't know. And I mean, we could all make it like predictions and all that, I mean, I make predictions all the time. I'm usually wrong half the time because I'm not really, you know, that kind of person. I just I just look at it, get my <laughs> thoughts reported and everything like that. But let's face it, um, if he's going anywhere, is being retained, Seven million, thirty-five years old. It's a dicey contract to take on for two more years. Granted, it's only two more years, but it can be a major financial you know, burden on a team for a team like Toronto, maybe not so much, but, uh, I'm just looking at who their backups could be right now. Non-roster goaltenders. There's, they could dip into the market, sign a cheap, uh, goaltender as well. There's Dylan Ferguson, Oscar Dansk and Garrett Sparks. So they got some options for backup, but Robin Lehner's their guy They're, And especially after the whole Alan Walsh incident, you knew he was going to be moved or he's going to get dealt at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I think at this point, obviously Fleury's come out and said he wants to stay in Vegas. Uh, You know, I I wonder how much of that is just kind of, you know, letting the fans know like, Hey, this wasn't my choice. I don't want to go anywhere, but uh, you know, the time has come and, you know, in the same sense where we talked about Murray, not wanting to be a backup. It's pretty clear that, Flurry's on the on the down slope of his career and he's not going to want to finish his career right now as a backup I think he's still got a couple years of starting left in him um and uh you know I I just don't see him in that new gold uniform that the Vegas Golden Knights unveiled yeah uh, this week I, I just don't see flurry kind of remaining with the team um obviously adds a lot of questions to the goalie market uh, this this offseason but um, you know and good signing for for Vegas I think I think Absolutely. Robin Lehner deserves that you're getting him for five million bucks a year so um, you know he's a guy that uh, he, he's put in his work and and uh, you know obviously we've we've talked a lot about his uh, his his struggles with mental health and and uh, mm-hmm. you know he, he put out a, a great message on Twitter following the signing and I think it's uh, it, it's an incredible thing for him and incredible thing for Vegas to to go out there and sign a guy. Um, you know, to to such a team friendly contract, but one that you know he's he's definitely deserved uh, with everything that he's gone through and the in the the journey that he's taken in the NHL so far. Yeah, I mean the same value that Anderson had when he signed with the lease.
1: Um, just random thing. Those jerseys are nice, by the way.
0: Oh, I, they, I mean, you see the way they shine in the light. Oh I just yeah, became it's got a, a nice,
1: nice gloss to it. You know.
0: Yeah, I have just became an undercover Vegas
1: fan, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of a sidetrack with the jerseys. But, I mean, like you said, great signing, great value. And, again, I feel bad for Flurry because this is now going to be the second time where he's been dealt kind of like a bad hand right now. You know, yeah. it, the same thing, I mean, we, we, I talked about it with uh, Matt Murray facing the same that Flurry had in Pittsburgh when he overtook Flurry, so Flurry had to overcome that in Pittsburgh. He has to overcome that in Vegas right now, and it's like I kind of feel bad for the guy because you know what he—you know—he's a strong goaltender, and I don't. It's just a difficult situation because you already had you wanted a, you wanted the depth going into the playoffs in case something happened to Flurry because Flurry's has dealt with some injuries in the past, but it just seemed like you know this was a difficult choice to make. And they're going with kind of a younger body and liner right now. And to be honest, I'd kind of go the same way despite
0: flurry still showing great numbers. Yeah, no. And that that's exactly it. I think, again, it comes down to getting a younger option and, and, and being, and moving forward with that. And I think that's why, you know, you see flurry on the, on the kind of the, the bad end of this stick again, you know, like, you just you got to feel bad for the guy like this is the way he's gone out on 100%. two teams and and he's put so much into both clubs like he's the guy who got Vegas there in the first uh in, in their uh inaugural year yeah uh you know he, he he plays with uh you know so much heart and soul and you know, from from what I've heard, he's he's a great teammate to have around. He's he's a fun guy, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely gonna be interesting because this goalie market just keeps getting better and better with every conversation we have. So, yeah, um, I, I I do think that Vegas does have to retain some of his salary, but you'll you'll see him moved at some point uh, before the next season starts. I would think. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of going, you know, talking more about goaltenders. Uh, Lundqvist, Holtby, onto onto the market. Yeah. What is going on here?
1: Oh, man. Uh, all this goalie talk. Um, yeah, it's – honestly, okay, I can understand Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh ugh, the Rangers situation, buying out Lundqvist. You know, they're, they want to move forward. They're a young team. You already got um, – well, first off, their salary – getting rid of his uh, 8.5 million cap hit. Good sign. Frees up a lot more cap space. But then again, I mean, Igor Shosturkin came in and basically stole the job even from Alexander Georgiev. So those two as your goaltenders right now, you're set. Um, There's no really other way around it. You don't need to go looking for a goaltender. You just need to fill out your defense and forwards um, if you need to at this point. Holpe kind of the same situation with, you know, kind of like Matt Murray. Um you got Ilya Samsonov breathing down his neck. He, Ilya Samsonov was the backup, proved that he could play this year. Um Hopi, kind of a down year and he's been on the decline since, you know, winning the cup back in 2017-18. So it's really interesting. We know he how he how good he can be. It's just that this year, we really haven't seen it. And again, um, it's time for him to move on. Will he get the same $6.1 million, $6. million? Possible, even just a little bit more. But what you saw this year, you might be hesitant on giving him you know, the money that he wants.
0: Yeah, I think I, I'm in the same boat. I think the only reason you might see him get more is... Because of the way the goalie market is right now, mm-hmm. they're, they're, sure, there's a lot of options, but a lot of top-end options who have that that cup pedigree. Um, yeah. and, and we've talked about it before how you know that that Stanley Cup on your resume adds a couple million bucks um, to your annual value. So I mean, he's definitely a guy that uh, you know teams might are gonna t- they're gonna take a long hard look. And mm-hmm. and we've we've talked about you know he, he has had a decline. We've seen a decline in his play. Uh, that said, I I think he's far from being a a bad goaltender. I think yeah. he's just you know he's got to be put in the right position again and and have a kind of a chance to restart and and uh, you know see what he can offer another club. Um, thirty one years old compared to Henrik Lundqvist at thirty eight. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Yeah, you got to think of that. And like you said, Stanley Cup's a Stanley Cup. You're yeah.
0: you're going to get paid. Oh yeah, and and you know I think he's he's still a good option at 31. You're you're you still got a couple years of, of good solid goaltending ahead of you, and mm-hmm. um, you know we talk about p- players being in their primes, and I think goaltenders tend to tend to mature and and get to that point at a little bit later in their careers, and I think Colby still got what it, what it takes. He's one of the more focused guys you, you you'll ever see on on a a, uh, you know a, a thing of ice and yeah. uh, the way he, he prepares for games and stuff like that it's just this guy this guy's got the potential to still still get get it done and um obviously you mentioned it it's it's definitely a better option than a 38 year old Henrik Lundqvist mm-hmm. who you know obviously sad to see his tenure with the Rangers come to the come to an end but I mean look at the goaltenders they've got um, yeah. you know their their goaltending depth um it's gonna it's scary. It's scary what's scary what they've good. got. Like New York, if 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 they can get past the pressure of playing in the big Apple, uh this team is is frightening. Mm-hmm. Um especially with that number one pick. And we all know Alexis Lafreniere will be wearing blue, red, and white uh oh, very see. soon. Very soon.
1: Um yeah, I just can't picture Henrik Lundqvist anywhere else I mean since 2005 he's been with them and you've always seen him with the red blue and white on him every single time he stepped out and it's it's going to be a weird adjustment for all these goalies because we're so used to seeing them with the teams that they play with I mean it's going to be weird not seeing Braden Holpe in a Caps uniform it's going to be weird with Lundqvist and yeah it's it's again goalie carousel musical chairs with goalies. It's really an interesting season
0: of what's happening right now and who takes a shot at who. Yeah. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if a guy like Lundqvist can take a step back and, and maybe take on that veteran, uh, backup role that we we were talking about. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be odd. It's going to be a little bit different seeing, you know, uh, a bunch of these guys in different colors and, um, yeah, I, I I I mean aside from that uh, the goaltending market is a big one this year. This is this is the year that if you're gonna sign a guy, you know, there's so much or talent trade. out there or trade or trade. Yeah. Um there's there's so much talent out there that it's just um it's it's insane. It's like it's like Christmas for goaltenders right now. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be making bank um when it when this is all said and done, I think, because teams are just gonna be throwing money out there whatever they have, you know, considering yeah. it's going to be a still cap, but they're going to be throwing money because this is the, this is the year that they need. They need to kind of lock down some goaltenders. So yeah. Um, kind of jumping off the same boat here. Um, New Jersey devils. They obviously have three first round picks this year. Uh, number seven pick the number 18 pick and the number 20 pick. Um, there were reports from Elliott Friedman's 31 thoughts uh where he he spoke about the Devils possibly trading one of their later first round picks either the 18th or the 20th pick. On top of that, there was talk that if the if um Askarov does not go in the first 5 picks, there is potential that if he's available, the Devils will take him with the 7th round or 7th overall pick. What are your thoughts on first the Devils taking Askarov? Secondly, moving one of the later first round picks to, you know, possibly maybe sure up a couple more second round picks or possibly get a prospect in return. I mean, the first one involving Askaroff.
1: I think he is a top 10 goaltender. I mean, there's there are rankings where, you know, he's inside. He's just outside. I mean, uh, Josh Bell has him at 11th. Uh, our prospect guru has him as 11th. Um, at that high at seven, I've even seen instances where he could go as high as five, and that's where the Senators are picking him. To me, uh, maybe n- not necessarily a top five pick. He could, and I understand that. I think he's more like, you know, in that seven to 10 range. And if you're willing to bet on Askarov, and I could have sworn I saw Nikolai Habibulin, I believe said that he is, Askarov does have the makings of a franchise-changing goaltender. Go for it. I mean, it's difficult to pass on, you know, names like Alexander Holtz, Cole Perfetti, Rodian Amirov, Anton Lundell, Jamie Drysdale, because that's a solid top bottom five, or, yes, yeah, a solid bottom five outside the top five right there in the 5 to 10 spot. If you want to go with Askarov, I have no problem with that at all. And even so, even if you try to trade one of your later round picks for maybe an asset that can help you right now, um, possibly a roster player that could jump in right now or a prospect that's able to make the transition, yeah, i dangle that pick if it makes your team better. You already have two in the top. I Personally, I would hold on to the top two picks, the 7th and the 18th, and then try and trade that 20th.
0: Yeah, I mean, even, like you said, even if you trade the 18th, you're 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 going to get some pieces back mm-hmm. because this draft is just full of talent right now. Um, your first two rounds are, are, you know, you're going to find some really solid NHL players in those two rounds. Uh, yes. And, you know, I, I think to have three picks in this draft, you're just, you're laughing at this point because, you know, we talked about it with New York and how good they're going to be. New Jersey, with these three picks, if they use them, they're gonna be they're gonna be laughing, yeah. okay. If they trade one and use two of them, they are gonna be laughing. Yeah. This New Jersey team is p- slowly putting together some in, some really good pieces. My question is, if you draft Askarov, what are you saying to Mackenzie Blackwood? Because right now Mackenzie Blackwood's the goaltender of the future mm-hmm. in New Jersey. He has he has spent the years that he needs to spend. Um, working through the development of that pipeline and getting to where he needs to be to be a starter in the NHL for for the Devils what are you saying to Mackenzie Blackwood if you go out there and draft another goaltender who yes will take 2 years 3 years possibly to to develop into a a, a possible NHL goaltender but at that point then you've got a young Mackenzie Blackwood still probably in his late late 20s and then you're you're looking at Ashcroft, you know, at that point, you're going to you're going to have kind of a Tristan Jari Matt Murray situation where you're going to have to move somebody um, because you're not going to have two happy goaltenders.
1: Mm-hmm. That all depends on if the Devils feel confident in Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, yeah, he stepped up and he showed that, you know, he did take major strides in his development. That's great. Um if they feel that he's the number one, yeah, then by all means, go for, you know, Jamie Drysdale, go for Perfetti, go for Alexander Holtz, go for guys that, you know, can be solid up front if you know Blackwood is the guy. Um, if I if I'm in Mackenzie Blackwood's situation and they take Asgroff and I've read up on him. Yeah, I'm taking a, I'm taking that as a shot that, hey, then what was the point of me staying around? Right what well, was the point of me developing so I could be at this point, or get to this point for you guys? Um, again, it's difficult with the goalie situation because you only have two spots that you're fighting out for, and you want to be the starter, the starter, the starter of you know the team. You want to be the guy that you're relied on. I think no matter what team Askarov goes to, whatever goalie they have, they're gone, or they're saying, "Hey, I want out if this guy is going to be overtaking me." Because let's face it, Askarov. He's so good that there's no doubt in my mind. He's going to be a franchise. He's going to be Andre Vasilevsky. He's going to be. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm i drawing a blank at other starters right now, but he's going to be a top tier starter for a team. He's going to be a carry price. There we go. There's the other name I was looking for. He's going to be lights out. Good for any team, no matter who dress him.
0: Yeah, no. And, and, just to kind of give give you an idea of what Mackenzie Blackwood has done for for New Jersey, um, 70 career games for them in the regular season, 32, 24, and 8 doesn't seem like a good record. Uh, 272 goals against, 916 save percentage, five shutouts. Now talking about this season that just passed, 22, 14, and 8 over the 47 mm-hmm. games. Uh, 277 goals against and a 915 save percentage with three shutouts. So obviously a guy who's who's used his time to develop. Um, and I I, I agree with you. I think New Jersey's got to think long and hard about what what they want from Mackenzie Blackwood. Is he mm-hmm. is he your starter moving forward, or is he a guy that you know can take a backseat to ask Robin mm-hmm. Maybe he's your guy, and you you move uh, you move Blackwood. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, uh, I do agree that. I think wherever Asgorov goes, uh, you're going to see them move on from their starter at this point. Um, but then you also raise the questions of how quickly Asgharov's going to come over. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it is with, with Russian players. Is y- You do question how quickly they're going to come over to North America mm-hmm. because of that that sort of, I call it the Russian effect.
1: The commitment. Uh,
0: the commitment, right? And, yeah. and, and we saw with Vasily uh, in last year. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's got a two-year contract, or, or he had a two-year contract when he was drafted by Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a top 10 pick. I have him in my top 10. I, I think I have him sitting at 10, actually. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely something that uh, is going to draw a lot of attention as the draft goes on, whether he goes top 10 or, or falls just outside of it.
1: Let's just hope that New Jersey doesn't pull Boston Bruins. I mean, it's hard to pull Boston Bruins when you have talent like this in the first round. Um, I I go back to that because I think that was the last time I saw a team with three picks in the first round. I could be wrong, but that was the last time that I remember. And Boston took only one player that's had any major impact in the NHL at this point. Mm -hmm. New Jersey, I, I have no doubt that they're going to take three solid players no matter what. And just to throw it out there from Mackenzie Blackwood, if he had that great of a record, positive record, then on a poor New Jersey team this year where defense was a major issue, then yeah, why not go with him, right?
0: Yeah, no, it definitely, it it opens the door to a lot of questions if that's the consideration by New Jersey going into the draft. But, um, <clears throat> like we talked about with Josh Bell, um, a couple episodes ago, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about whether a team takes the best positional player for their needs or mm-hmm. whether they take the best player available at that time. Yeah. And it could come down to, they just think that Ascroft's the best available player at that time. And, and, you know, maybe he's a guy that they could get more future pieces for, and, and that could be a consideration as well so yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting um obviously you know we're looking forward to the draft uh we're we're, we're you know two days away from, from yes. the big day and uh you know i'm just as excited as the next person to see what's gonna happen you know oh, let's broad. get hockey rolling again we're just we just finished we just handed out the cup but i'm not uh, i'm not ready to, to stop talking about hockey especially with the colder weather moving in
1: Who is this Alexi Lefrenier that people keep talking about? I have no idea who he is, you know?
0: I can't wait to see him put on an NHL jersey right now. This kid is gonna be phenomenal. I honestly like
1: I heard of him, but like when he was a 16 year old and he got exceptional status. I knew that, you know, okay, we've seen only one instance where exceptional status doesn't quite work out with Sean Day, but Seeing him play or the Clips before he made the jump to the queue, you know he was going to be good. He was lights out in his rookie year, lights out at the Holinka-Greski tournament, and that's where, you know, he put his name on the map and he solidified the top spot as a number one pick. There's no way that after what he did in that tournament, done. You could even argue that, hey, the World Juniors um, the year before this one, um, where he only had very minimal ice time and it was basically playing as a 13 forward and got one goal, you could argue that, okay, is he still the number one pick? In in my mind, he was still the number one pick. Um, this year, changed the dynamic. Coming in, scoring that goal against Team USA, missing time with the injury after the collision in, against Russia, comes back and just dominates everybody. I mean, he is... His compete, his energy, his drive, his ability to play the body—he is what you want in a winger. And the New York Rangers, man, you got a special—you got a special
0: talent right now. Yeah, no, 100%, and like that's—that's that's why I, I, you know, I kind of question some of these people who are talking about well is he still the number one? Yeah, of course he's still the number one pick. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's absolutely zero question. And for anybody to even, even remotely argue otherwise, um, just, you know, I have to laugh. I have to sit back and laugh at it because there's, there's no talent like Lafreniere in this draft. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we had the same debate with Matthews line. when, when the Leafs took Matthews first and look how that worked out. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's going to be the same here. I think Lafreniere is just that uh, that much better, and um, yeah, what a, what a win for the New York Rangers and and possibly the NHL if you can turn the Rangers into a Cup-winning franchise for oh, yeah. for years to come. So. Um, just, I'm just going to jump in for a quick second. I yeah. did a top 10 left
1: wings for the NHL draft. I mean, I don't want to play spoiler, but we all know who the top left winger is in this draft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen anything Lafreniere did, I posted a video underneath uh, in the section of his dominance at the road junior shots, goals, plays, anything. Just take a look. Just take a look. Even if you want to go one step further, watch all the plays he did in Ramuski. Because I'm just, I'm just baffled at how crazy this guy can be.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be exciting. Like I said, I can't wait to see him uh, throw on a, an NHL jersey and get out there and just, uh, you know, make some incredible plays. Uh, maybe he can get Capo Kako going too for the Rangers. But, Definitely. Um, let's add some. Let's add some smoke to these rumors that seem to be going on with this. Unreal off season already. Jack Eichel rumors, Oliver cool. ekman larsen rumors, and a little bit later we'll get into Frederick Anderson rumors. But Eichel and ekman Um possibly going to Vancouver for <clears throat> OEL. Uh, Eichel possibly wanting out of uh, Buffalo. What's you know what what are you what are you seeing when you see these things pop up? I'm, going to, I'm just going to
1: start off with the elephant in the room. I'm going to talk about Eichel first, and then I'll get into OEL in just a second. We all know that Eichel is extremely frustrated and ticked off about what's going on in Buffalo. He like He's not shy about coming out saying that this is ridiculous. We want to win. I want to win. He's a fighter, and we've seen what he can do. We know that he's carrying the team on his back nonstop. I mean, Bob McKenzie was the one who reported it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot of substance. He dwelled into like a major thread how, I mean, they're talking, no trade whatsoever is happening. And obviously, you know, Eichel's frustrated, but, you know, he wants to try and win and turn things around there, which, you know, is an honorable thing to do considering that, you know, the the whole entire city's looking to you to try and help them out. But if you're not getting any help from management, that's where the frustration lies. It's just been downward disappointment after disappointment. And it doesn't surprise me that another rumor is circulating it because he's pissed off. He's sick and tired of losing. And I feel bad for him because he's the only one doing anything. I mean, okay, Rasmus Stalin is still, you know, not saying that he's still developing, but he took another major step this year. The issue lies in goaltending. The issue lies in depth. And we talked about this with Eric Stahl when he got traded I believe, last episode, Um, it's the supporting cast around Eichel and Darlene that you need to work on. That's been a major failure. Once you do that, then Buffalo can be considered a playoff team. Cup contender, we got to see the moves. But this is why we're still hearing the Eichel rumors. And if he wants out and it doesn't surprise me that if nothing changes, he's gone because you could only take so much of a team saying, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Nothing has happened. Okay, I'm packing my bags. Trade me,
0: especially especially when you're in, you know, you're in your prime, the the prime of your career. Like this yeah. is a guy who hasn't even tasted the playoffs yet. Not one game, and I. You feel know what bad. I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And could you imagine if the Leafs draft uh, Matthews and he has not seen playoff hockey yet? That's 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 the part Dural. that I can I can understand his frustration because. Like, look, this is this is a guy who wants to win. He went when when he was at the combine prior to his draft year. He's a guy who said, yeah, I can be a number one pick. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be that guy. And and yeah, he's taken on he's taken the franchise, put it on his back and he's trying to win. But he's not getting the help like this is a team that locked up Jeff Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Skinner can score. We get it. But the money they threw at Jeff Skinner. It's like, the con- worst come contract in the NHL right now. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who not not only one isn't you know, maybe a top-end offensive player in the NHL, but also a guy who's had significant concussion issues over the years. Mm-hmm. And you signed him to this major contract saying, hey, this is your guy, Eichel, what can you do with him? Yeah. If, and I, you could if only- I'm Jack Eichel, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed yeah. at this point. And you could only do so much to try and
1: get a player going. I mean... I mean, like you said before, if Toronto drafted Matthews, Martin, Nylander, and we still haven't tasted the playoffs, oh my God, Leafs Nation would be—they'd erupt. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be worse than what's probably going on in Buffalo right now. Because let's face it, Toronto's Toronto. Yeah, if one thing goes wrong, Toronto's up in a,
0: you know, in the a uproar. Thing is, Buffalo's got some incredible fans. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to the building down there, but when they when they are going, they are going. They oh, got absolutely. they've got some incredibly loyal fans that just want to see this team make play, make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs win around, that's a success right now to Buffalo.
1: Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this out there. They got 33 million in projected cap space. That's a lot of money to tinker with your roster, to move some pieces out, to make improvements on the defense and, Bring somebody in, but then again, who can you bring in, knowing the failures that this team has had since Eichel has basically even come in?
0: Well, but even mm. even the guy, a guy, a young guy like you've got a twenty five year old in Victor Olsson. Okay, mm. fifty four games last season. He's a forty two point guy in those fifty four games, but of those forty two points, seventeen of them came on the power play. Yeah. Okay. Of his forty-six career points, nineteen on the power play. Mm -hmm. That's great, but you're not going to be on the power play every single game. You got to find guys that can get it done at 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 even strength. And right now, Eichel's your Eichel's your only guy. Yeah, this team has made some pretty horrible moves over the last couple of years, including trading Ryan O'Reilly. That one blew my mind. Well, then again, we said we we heard what Ryan O'Reilly said
1: he he was pissed off. He's sick and tired of losing too. Mm-hmm. And now it's not just Ryan O'Reilly saying it. It's, you know, your younger franchise altering player saying it. If he's the one saying it, then yeah, you know, the onus lies on, you know, management ownership and stuff like that. But to not dwell on the negatives for Buffalo, you got Rasmus Asplen, who's a really good prospect. Dylan Cousins, Possibly coming up sooner than expected. Um, you got Mattia Samuelson on the back end. You got Uko Lukanen as you know a, cha- a game changer in net for you for the team. So you have some bright spots in the on the for the team that could come up and possibly make a contribution. Maybe not a, ra- a right away, but down the line you expect them to be you know key contributors. So you have that looking forward to you. But if you want to be a playoff team right now, because I think the last two seasons they had a. Or go on a massive winning streak before November and then after November, they just quit. And yeah. that's a team or those players that you have on that team. They're going to cut it out.
0: They ain't going to cut it out. Yeah, no. And then, and, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's no wonder that he's getting frustrated Um mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see him moved at any point in the near future, but it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on the situation in Buffalo as the, as the team continues to to struggle and, and uh, you know, obviously ownership, you know, there's been some questions around the the Pugulo ownership as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you got a star player who's just frustrated, tired of losing. Um, and, and, you know, especially with this generation of player, they're not going to sit back and hold their tongue. Mm-hmm. They will they will voice their frustration. And uh, yeah, I think that's just what what's going on in Buffalo right now. But um jumping over to the desert. Yes. Um Oliver oh, yeah. Larson. Uh, you know, possibility of maybe going to Vancouver, that's been that's been kind of the the rumored uh, rumored spot for him. Um obviously Canucks fans would love that, uh, especially after a season where the Canucks definitely dominated expectations. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, a 29-year-old, still a lot of hockey left ahead of him. Uh, In in the recent four points in nine games for the the, uh, Arizona Coyotes. Um, And then over the year, he had uh, 30 points in 66 games. So a guy that definitely has that offensive prowess, but doesn't shy away from the physical game either. Um, And, you know... Uh, a guy that uh, has shown leadership over his career, obviously wearing the C in Arizona. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on like him possibly staying in the Western Conference, moving over to to Vancouver, and and what an addition that would be if in fact he does become a Canuck at some point? Um, I'm going to start
1: off with why it would be a good thing. He fits their bill. I mean, he's a puck moving guy. They. Um, the team already have an has an amazing putt mover in Quinn Hughes, so they could feed off that. Um, I think that's that's probably the best fit for them. And it could probably work out. But then again, the last few years we production. I don't know if that's just because of the fact that, you know, it is the Arizona Coyotes. There's had there have been issues surrounding the team. Um And just so much, again, so many issues just with ownership in general, even before the whole John Chica mess, there have been questions whether or not is this team good enough? What are they going to do? Et cetera, et cetera. Why I think it may be difficult for them. I wouldn't want to mess with what I have to find the Vancouver Canucks right now. You made the playoffs. (coughs) Excuse me. You want to re-sign Tyler Toffoli, who was a great contributor down the stretch um, in the last 10 games, uh, 10 points in 10 games, I believe, before the pause, comes back and was a major contributor in the playoffs. Chris Tanev, you know, he he said he wants to stay. They want to try and lock him up. You have very limited cap space right now if you're the Vancouver Canucks. I believe they only have $14 million in projected cap space. 14.29 million dollars if Tifoli uh, T- uh T- wants you know around six ten if you could try and get him around the same value that he has maybe you could take a bit of a pay cut you're hovering around maybe anywhere between nine to ten million or eight to ten million left i'm not good with math so i'm not even going to bother doing the numbers right <laughs> now um to take on his 8.25 million, you're going to have to do some retooling. You're going to have to move a contract out um, that could come in the form of maybe a Brandon Sutter, um, Tyler Myers, because he's making 6 million at that point, Sutter at 4.37. And I, it just, or maybe even Louis Erickson, you know, that he's. Passes prime right now. They got really great prospects, especially Nils Hogland, Hoglander right now. Um, uh, they got Reed Boucher. Oh, never mind. He's uh, 27 years old. I'm, I'm out of it. Um, Noah Gadjevich, I know he's a really good prospect as well. And Cole Lind. He's got some promise as well. So you've got three players coming up in the system that could overtake players with massive contracts on the team. You can try and clear that space out. But then again, the whole thing is, do you want to take on $8.25 And what's going to happen when, you know, Mac Rathbone, he's a really good prospect. What's going to happen when he needs a new contract? Quinn Hughes, when he needs a contract? There are a lot of other areas where they need to address or have to have in place before they can make this move.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And I think, I don't think it's so much that it's not a good fit for Ekman Larson to go to Vancouver. I think it's not a good fit for the Canucks to bring him in. And, and it's just, mm. it goes to your point in, you know, one, the contract negotiations in the couple next or the next couple of years with uh, some of their young guys uh, Two, um, you know, it, 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 for me, it hurts the development of Quinn Hughes um, yeah. because you've got two left-handed uh, shots. Then at that point, uh, two puck moving defensemen, you're not putting Ekman Larson on your second pair. No. So who's going to drop down? So who's going to drop down? It's going to be Quinn Hughes. You really want to put Quinn Hughes down to the second pairing when he put up 16 points in 17 playoff games this year for you? Yeah. I I certainly don't. This is a Norris Trophy or a guy who could have been in the Norris Trophy discussion uh, Mm -hmm. as a rookie. Um, So for me, I think, you know, I think Vancouver's got to stay away from these rumors. Yeah. I, I think Arizona is looking to move him. I, I don't think ekman Larson wants out, but I think they're looking to move him because they want to they want to lock down uh, Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where that's where it lies. Is is the rumors are kind of developing from there, not not so much from the Vancouver side of things, where they need another defenseman. They're mm-hmm. more looking like uh, you know it's more of an Arizona issue that they're looking to move a big contract to to lock down their star forward that they traded for uh, and didn't get much time with. 3.6 million is the cast base that they have.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, from what I heard, he ain't budging from the two teams that he wants to go to, either Vancouver or Boston. Boston have, uh, has already got an issue on their hands trying to re-sign Tory Krug. And just like you th- saying that, you know, Ekman Larson may not be a great fit in Vancouver, I don't think he fits the bill in Boston. Yeah, he no. can play the body at times, but they pride themselves on defense. They pride themselves on, you know, transitioning and two-way
0: play, and I don't think Ekman-Larson can bring that in Boston. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's just—I I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to move him, especially with, like you said, he's not budging from that uh, from the from the two teams he wants to go to. I, I, I've seen reports that Arizona is trying to get him to kind of expand his his no tr- or his uh, his um, teams that he's willing to go to, but yeah. at this point in time, I mean if you're if you're a guy in Arizona, put the team issues aside. Are you wanting to go anywhere at this point? I, I mean, you know, I me personally, the hot weather would be would be nice to kind of stick around in, especially when oh, you're playing hockey. but who wouldn't love it? But at the same yeah. time, like you said, if he says
1: no, you're stuck with that for quite some time with his contract. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's only in the first year of that contract. And there's he's gone for quite, or he's going to be under contract until um, 2016 27. Yeah. So he's now in the second year of that contract, eight years, 66 million.
0: But that being said, I mean, he's a guy that earned it as well, right? So he has every right to say, I, you know, I don't (laughs) want to go anywhere, or these are the two teams I want to go to. Mm -hmm. So it'll be, it'll be interesting because. You know, obviously, if they if they're not able to move him, they've got to rely heavily on on their their drafting. And we've we've had that discussion in terms of what their draft picks look like over the next couple of years. Thanks to John Chaka. So
1: and this is the issue with giving out modified no movement clauses or no movement clauses to massive contracts like that. Yeah, that's the problem, because you have situations like this where we need to move you, but you signed me. So I'm not going to waive it. You gave it to me. It's in my contract. There are there are instances where, you know, players do waive it to benefit the team and great. But at some points, it's just like, well, you gave me that. So you're dealing with that. Um, you're de- you got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, uh, it, like I said, it'll be interesting to watch him wa- or watch what happens there in Arizona. Uh, they also bought out Michael Grabner. Um, uh, you know, a guy who's obviously suffered injuries over his career, former Leaf, uh, just for a little bit. Um, he has the speed, has the uh, has the skill, uh, just never really able to put it all together. Um, like before, like with Borso's uh, signing, I don't have much to say about Grabner. You know, obviously we wish him well, and hopefully he can you know, lock down a lock down a roster spot in another city, but uh, you know, Arizona's just looking to make contract uh, contract negotiations with Hall a little bit easier and, and open up some space. So I think that's why you're seeing him go as well. Um
1: I'm just baffled that they couldn't find a trade partner with him. At from what he's made or like three point three five, I mean, probably as a third liner, it's not bad you probably could have retained like a couple hundred thousand. But at the same time, it's just like you really couldn't find a viable trade partner with him for just one year.
0: Yeah. Even you just even, had to buy this, him out. Yeah. Even a late pick or something like that. It just, it's, it's, uh, you know, look for like a sixth round pick or something. Add, add to your, add to your overall uh, draft uh, draft picks because right. You know, you could, you could use anything you can take right now. Oh God. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It, it like I said, that that whole situation in Arizona, it's been a it, it's been a tire big fire. question mark for yeah, a big tire fire like just unbelievable uh or like the ownership is just in in shambles, the the uh, the the team operations, the hockey operations in shambles that you know, at this point I don't know why anybody would want to play for Arizona. I think yep. that's what's playing against them more than the cap even with the Taylor Hall negotiations is that just if you're Taylor Hall, why, why are you wanting to play in Arizona at this point? Go somewhere else. It's not even worth it at this point. Yeah. yeah. So um, moving on to our last big news piece, obviously, we have to congratulate the Tampa Bay Lightning on winning their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. Yes, I uh, did it on the on the back of a, a two nothing shutout uh, in Game Six. Um, well deserved. Obviously, uh, you know, tough that Stamkos couldn't be out there with them, but uh, he was out there to to hoist the cup, and um, you know, hopefully he'll be back and healthy for for the upcoming season. Um, but one thing I wanted to to talk about is um, you know we talked about on a couple episodes, would there be an asterisk beside the, the, the team that won the cup? And, you know, there's a lot of discussion about how, you know, this was probably a more difficult cup to win. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, one of our favorite people to talk about on this ep on this show is, uh, you know, Toronto writer, Damien Cox, who loves to stir the pot on, on social media and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He decided to tweet out, <clears throat> Not as difficult to win a cup when there's no road games, no travel. Still a difficult thing to win it all. Tampa gave lots of sweat and blood to make this happen. But let's not compare bubble hockey with the real thing. Man, why? Just why? Why not just stick to congratulations? Why Why do you have to antagonize not only the team? Because we saw... my. Uh, um Chev tweet out to, to Damian Cox in response to that, saying, you know, it, it was difficult. We're in quarantine. We're no family, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and just why? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why you have to stir the pot. And maybe that's your thought. Maybe that's your opinion. That's fine. But, man, like, it's just, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind.
1: Not the first time Damian Cox has stirred the pot, We know he's very vocal and opinionated on certain things, but honestly, I'm just grabbing my head right now because, again, why? Like you said, these guys, every single team since the camps opened up in July or end of June, beginning of July, camps opened up. Said goodbye to their families, loved ones, everything like that to try and, and you know, they went to work. This is their job. They have been away from their family for months and months on end. And you have the audacity to say that? During a global pandemic where, you know, everything has, you know, everything has changed, where we have to adapt to this, we can't go back to normal their normal was living in a bubble for months on end trying to win the hardest trophy to win in sports and to any team no matter who what uh, even if you lost in the qualifying round to make that sacrifice even beforehand when you don't see your family it's a it's grueling it's a tough decision and i don't understand why this would be you know an asterisk cup because if it's a long and grueling difficult process This was the most long and difficult, grueling process that these players could ever face. So I'm not going to dwell too much on that. You already know my opinion. I just said it, but you know what? Tampa Bay lightning organization, every other team there, congratulations. You guys did a phenomenal job. NHL did a phenomenal job keeping everybody safe, which was the main important. Is Damien Cox forgot. Um, Yeah the fact that no negative tests throughout the whole entire bubble process, the fact that they sacrificed a whole lot to be away from their families in two separate cities away from the U S which is still a hot zone for, you know, the pandemic and they excelled, the teams excelled, the league excelled. It was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, no. And it, uh, like I, like you said, you know, we're not going to dwell on it. Uh, I just, I had to bring it up cause I was just more shocked than anything for sure. Um. regardless, congratulations to Tampa Bay. Congratulations to the NHL. You got it done. Mm-hmm. You handed out the cup. No positive tests. There is nothing more you can say about this because Absolutely. they did their job and they did it well. And Tampa is as deserving as any other cup winner. They did the grind through the regular season. Yeah, it was cut short. Yeah, there was a break. But you had to come back from that break, get back in shape and play You know, Mm -hmm. get those wins that they got. And and they got it done uh, without some of their star players. So congratulations to them. Let's jump into our Maple Leafs talk, though, because that's what everyone comes to listen to. That's what we're here for. Our Toronto Hockey Talk draft coming up in two days, like we mentioned. Anderson rumors. Peter, what do you got?
2: Two
1: big, honestly, I think big stories involving Frederick Anderson one from yesterday involving David Pagnotta, who uh, uh, was on the SiriusXM NHL channel. Um, from Aaron Ward, Frederick Anderson, talk between Leafs and Canes. The Leafs wanted a Doug, Dougie Hamilton, and that was a non-starter. So there's that. And also Leafs are interested in Jonas Corposalo from the Columbus Blue Jackets.
0: Yeah, and I don't two big rumors right now, and even the Anderson rumors. Uh, you know, if 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 that is in case the in fact the case, um, you know, if they can move a guy like that to to uh, Carolina, obviously, you know, they're gonna be looking for somebody to to come back their way, and uh, you know is it a possibility that maybe, maybe you throw Dougie Hamilton just to get the the talk started? And, and if it's not a starter, if it's not something that Caroline is willing to, to do, maybe that's when you move on to a guy like uh, Brett Petschy or something like that as well. Because, you know, yeah. I think Petschy one of the most underrated defensemen in the league right now. Um, he's a guy that uh, gets the job done and does it on a nightly basis and plays all aspects of the game. So, um, you know, for me, there is a possibility there. I think the conversation is is what needs to get started. Um, and, and if that's the case and and then they go out and look for a Corpus Allo and in, ret- in return from Columbus in in a deal. Um, you know, this is something we talked about it with Mark Masters. it's it's uh you know, this is gonna be an exciting offseason for the Leafs. On top of that, I think you know we we talked about it with our own Mark Scheich that uh, mm-hmm. that there is a possibility that you know Columbus and Toronto could be good. Trade partners this offseason.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the rumor or the trade proposal that Mark presented was uh, David Savard and I believe Jonas Corposalo for a William Nylander as a potential hypothetical trade going on. Whether that happens or not, we don't know. But they're looking at, I believe, Andreas Janssen or Alex Kerfoot for uh Frederick Anderson or in that deal involving Jonas Corpusalo. So if that's the case, then is it something that you are willing to do? Give up Andreas Janssen, Alexander kerfoot Kerfoot. Um, because it, it's also un uh, I'm just gonna read a excerpt from this. Um Corpus Salo appears to be on Toronto's radar, and it is possible the Leafs have, also have interest in center Brandon Dubinsky, who has one year left on his contract, battling injury, and is not expected to be available for the 2020-21 season. 2020, 2021 season. Uh, his acquisition would be a calculated move, placing him on LTIR, and would give the Maple Leafs uh, flexibility against the salary cap. Entertaining the field are Andreas Janssen and Alex Kerfoot, three years remaining on their respective contracts. If they want to make a move, giving up maybe one or both of Janssen or Kerfoot with Corpus Allo, Brandon Dubinsky on LTIR, and even getting Josh Anderson in return as well,
0: that is something that you could possibly consider. I, I'm making that deal all day. I'm making that deal all day. Um, I, I think right now... Janssen is a guy that you have, you know, you have other possibilities in the pipeline in the lineup mm-hmm. that are interchangeable with with Janssen. Uh, opens up some cap space, um, and, and you know, you get your goaltender that you're you're looking for as well. Plus, you get a guy like in Josh Anderson that, you know, plays that physical side of the game. Yeah, he's had some injury troubles over the last season or two, and uh, you know, but he he's able to go out there and grind it and and get in front of the net and be that big body front net presence. Um, I think that's, that's kind of what you have to look at. And, and whereas Andreas Johnson, yeah, he's added some, some offense to the club, but he's also a guy that, uh, you know, he, he is interchangeable. He's not, he doesn't have the same Mm -hmm. consistency that you want to see in a, in a possible top six forward.
1: Just looking at the least depth roster or, you know, prospect pool right now, you still, you signed Alexander Barabanov who can immediately interchange between left and right wing. That makes uh, Andreas Johnson easily available. Kerfica plates center and ring. Philip Hollander looking pretty good. Mikhail Abramov is looking very good for a fourth-round pick that the Maple Leafs selected. Um, Korshkov. In Korshkov's 2019. Korshkov tearing it up right now in the KHL. We, I Honestly, I saw that goal-line goal just... Rips it from the goal line, bad angle shot that you wouldn't believe, and he scores. I think he makes his roster with, if he if he's do, making the most of his time right now, and he's scoring goals like that, and he's making a big impact right now, you could get rid of Janssen. You could get rid of Kerfa, because Hollander, Korshkov, Abramov, Barabanov, Nick Robertson, we already know how good he did during the playoffs. You already have your depth up. You can move away from those guys, no problem. Yeah, it's an
0: experience, but you know what? I think it works well. Well, and eventually you got to get these guys the experience they need to make that jump. Mm-hmm. Stick them into a couple games, let them see what they're gonna do. Give them seven, eight, nine minutes. Don't 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 throw them out there into a top six role, but see what they're able to do, what they're able to bring. I mean, you did it with Ilya Mikheyev, and and mm-hmm. this kid, this kid can can fly, and he's he's a major part of the 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 Leafs roster right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, that that's what the important thing is 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 finding that way to develop these young guys in the pipeline. And if that means moving a guy like Andreas Janssen, then that that's what it means. Mm-hmm. For me, he's he's expendable. <clears throat> and you know, I'm a guy who gets attached to his players. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> you want to trade with me in a fantasy hockey league? It it's going to take <laughs> you a lot to get somebody off my team. But. At this point in time, I, I'm more interested in seeing Toronto take that next step and find a way to win in the playoffs than I am in in keeping and being loyal to the players that we have on our roster. And
1: again, nothing against Andreas Janssen, because he did look like he would be a viable option as a winger for, you know, Austin Matthews and William Nylander or, you know, Zach Hyman on that other wing. We saw him take that step odd when Nylander was out but at the same time, this year, it just, you know, didn't go as planned. I don't know if you want to call it as maybe the sophomore slump because this was his second full year. Not good at all. He was very inconsistent, and there are even times where he took, like, really bad penalties, especially in, in the offensive zone at times, too, where that's not how, you know, we expect you to play, well, from an organization standpoint. And you know what? It, it, it could just be a one-off year you could hold on to him see what he does in the next season for 2020-2021 but yeah you it's something to entertain the thought of because you could
0: have better players that replace him no matter what yeah no I completely agree um jumping into the the draft talk because that's uh obviously something we need to get into for for 2 days yes. from now when the Leafs either trade or keep that 15th overall pick and we've had massive discussions about this um I am excited to see what they're able to do with their picks in this draft. Mm -hmm.
1: The time, the time is ticking for Kyle Dubas to figure out what he wants to do with that pick. I mean, that's that pick could be a gold mine. No matter how you look at it, you could take fifteenth overall. You could take if you know. I'm going to knock on wood. If Yaroslav Askarov drops, uh, drops you, there's a franchise goaltender right there. If you get Anton Lindell. He is a really, really underrated prospect, and I'm hoping he falls to the Leafs just so that Dewis could pick him up and be like, yeah, we've seen this guy play right now. Even right now, when he's playing in over Europe right now, he's tearing it up like nothing else. And you could take Braden Schneider, who can be, you know, an effective top four guy that could come into the lineup sooner or later. You could take other options, Rodian and Mirov if he drops, Connor Zary, Dylan Holloway, Dawson Mercer. Options are endless. You could trade down. Options are endless. You could get another second-round pick. The options are endless no matter what you do with that pick. You could even get a top-pairing defenseman with that pick. He has so many options at his disposal right now, and when teams
0: come calling, you can bet that he wants to make the best deal possible. Yeah, I was going to say... I coming into this episode, I was kind of thinking more towards the trade, the pick idea, but thinking more and more about like where the Leafs are at right now in terms of what they have, unless they're getting Mm -hmm. an NHL roster player for that 15th overall pick. I don't, I don't think you trade it. I think you bolster that pipeline Mm -hmm. and you, you have so many prospects right now that are ready to make that jump as it is right now you know you're, you 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 want to sweeten that that prospect pool that you have so yeah. for me right now just thinking about it again like i've kind of been thinking about it this whole episode as as we've been talking about some of the some of the players that uh, you know have signed contracts and, and and are jumping into free agency i've been thinking like for the least right now what's the best possible move for them with that 15th overall pick and for me i think i honestly believe that unless you're going to trade up you don't move that pick Mm-hmm. And, and the only reason you trade up right now is to get Askarov as your franchise goalie. Yeah,
1: that
0: that to me is the only reason you move up. Otherwise, yeah. at fifteen, you like you said, the the possibilities are endless. I I can almost guarantee you that a guy like Braden Braden Schneider is going to be there. So there's oh, there's the definitely. possibility of that pick. Um, like you said, Anton Lundell, he's there. There is a possibility that he falls to that pick. There Dawson Mercer, like you said, the, you name the names and there's so many options. This this draft is so full of talent that I would be I would be shocked if the Leafs move out of the first round. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could we could debate
1: about who they should take, but no matter who they take, they're getting again, they're getting a quality prospect right now. Hell. Even if they decide to move into the top ten and don't take Askarov, and you still land a Cole Perfetti, a Alexander Holtz, even if you get Jake Sanderson, although you know you would probably prefer the right-handed shot, Jake Sanderson is still an elite mobile, big body defender as well. So you could do whatever you want with that pick. And again, we could debate whether you know Braden Schneider is a good fit, Mercer, Zeri, yada yada. Again, you. I'm I'm just overwhelmed at who we can get that no matter who we get, I don't care. We got a good prospect
0: with that pick. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, like I said, you know, less than, four, or we're yeah, less than 48 hours or just over 48 hours till the, uh, till the NHL draft. And, um, obviously you and I are both excited to see what the Leafs do with that pick and what they do with their few their 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 yeah. later round picks as well because they do have a fair amount of uh picks in this draft and um, they're gonna be adding to their prospect pool regardless of you know whether they keep that fifteenth overall or not. Um but uh yeah, just kind of moving on from that is 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 th- there's a lot been a lot of talk about the Leafs adding veteran presence, which which they've done over the last couple of years, Jason Spezza, um you know a guy that I would wouldn't mind seeing kept around. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of talk this offseason about Wayne Simmons. Yeah.
1: There's, I mean, Peter Brun mentioned that you know in September that you know. The possibility of Wayne Simmons coming over here. There's he he lives up north. His family's here. It would probably be a good fit for Wayne Simmons, right? Um, b- building off on that, a couple days ago, he went on TSN 1050 to provide you know somewhat of an update on the uh, Simmons talks, and the Maple Leafs Hostel posted the full transcript of what he said about Wayne Simmons. And if I'm just going to read a little bit off, if Wayne Simmons could come in at a reasonable rate and be a part of your bottom six, there's a perfect example of a guy that a has character and leadership right through him and still has hands at the right cap hit. I love to see Wayne Simmons in a Leafs uniform building off on the ladder. Yes. I would love to see Wayne Simmons in a uniform. Is he going to be the Wayne Simmons that, you know, we saw him rack up 30 goals, hundred penalty minutes in the past. Obviously not. I mean, he's past his prime, although I would still love to have that kind of Wayne Simmons. But the energy that he brings and the character and leadership that LeBron alluded to is a main factor why the Leafs will be interested in him and why maybe that's why the what the Leafs have, you know, has been the downfall for them. They've lacked character. They've lacked leadership. Bringing someone like him in could go further. We saw uh, we saw what happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bolstered their depth with Blake Coleman, uh, Barkley Goodrow. Um, you know, maybe you can't compare them to Wayne Simmons because of the production that he failed to live up to this year, but you set reasonable expectations for him this year, tell him his role, tell him what he's going to be doing, you know, sort of like play a offensive game, but you know what? We want you to bring that grit, that energy, that guy to be, you know, protect the players at times too, because we know, you know, he can drop the mitts and he can stand up for himself. Um, Again, if we learned anything from Tampa Bay Lightning, you need those intangibles in order to succeed, and Wayne Simmons can bring that.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And like we we've mentioned Joe Thornton, we've mentioned Wayne Simmons, we've mentioned keeping Jason Spezza, but I think mm-hmm. the one that you're going to get for an affordable price is Wayne Simmons. And I think, like you said, if he's if he's willing to take that pay uh, and be a fourth liner and come in and just be that veteran guy you know, that's what you want on the team. Somebody who's willing to show the leadership understands that what their role is on the team. And, and uh, I I would love to see him in a Toronto uniform. I think he would just add so much, so much, uh, uh, you know, just gamer mentality to, to, to the Maple Leafs lineup. And and that's what they need, especially going into like playoff series against teams like Boston and, and even teams like Columbus uh, who, who love to play the physical side of the game I think having a guy like that in the lineup definitely helps um, not just himself, but helps the entire team understand what needs to be done to win games. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'd be a great signing. I'd love to see it in, in him and Maple Leafs uh, blue and white. Uh, um, but uh, again, this, this offseason is going to be crazy. I think the Leafs are going to make some interesting moves. Um, and, uh, you know, speaking of moves, um, Peter, I think it's time we throw it over to our, our, our guest, which we didn't even mention up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, f- a friend of mine, a guy that I interviewed a while back uh, after he made the move to Sweden to play pro hockey. He's a firefighter. He's a paramedic. But hockey is his passion. And uh, we had a great conversation with uh, Kevin Porter, um, obviously a guy who who who's training and still wants to make it make it in in pro hockey but uh you know a guy who who aside from everything else is just a pure inspiration and and i thought we had a great conversation all right folks i want to throw it over to our interview i like to call him a good friend of mine um a firefighter in brampton peel and york region paramedic and a free agent hockey player kevin porter how are you doing today kevin
2: i'm well andrew how are you
0: I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, obviously you and I have spoken before and, uh, stayed in touch since then. Um, you know, what's, uh, what's going on in, in, uh, your hockey world right now?
2: Well, you know, just, just like everybody else trying to, uh, you know, stay current, um, you know, stay ahead of the curve with all the, the COVID stuff going on and the, the lockdown and, uh, high ice prices and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know all those good things and and trying to work through uh, a challenging time so you know been having a lot of fun still and and just uh how to come up with some alternative ways as a lot of people have during the lockdown and uh and we're continuing to do so and and uh and having some fun and making some progress so uh yeah that's uh i've been just trying to stay as positive as i can and and look for new opportunities uh you know kind of new ways to skin the cat and uh, get the job done so
1: Kevin, Andrew mentioned at the top of the show you're both a firefighter and a paramedic. Um, given that the strange time that we're in right now with the pa- uh, pandemic, how are you handling things on the front line, and how are you dealing with situations out in the public?
2: You know, with work, and it's, it's been interesting. Like when when this kind of it kind of hit everyone, like uh, it was a bit of an avalanche for everybody. And you know, there were so many changes at the onset of it, and, and PPE, and, and like every day I was being inundated. Like all of my colleagues in police, ambulance, fire, nursing, like everybody, like everyone's everyone's lives were changing on, on by the minute almost. And, you know, protocols and uh, um, different PPE and lack of PPE and certain PPE and what to wear, what not to wear, and then the different signs and symptoms. I mean, as the the, the virus uh, progressed, we were finding out more and more and more about it um, and what it was doing to some people without comorbidities, with comorbidities, meaning, you know, other medical ailments that may, you know, with the virus, add kind of a nasty synergistic effect. So it was really, uh, yeah, it was a, a very uh, interesting time. I mean, uh, you just had to quickly adapt to the situation and uh, and deal with it, you know, stay calm, adapt, and, uh, and overcome. So that's where we are. Um.
0: Kevin uh you know you and I kind of talked back uh, when when I first interviewed you about uh your your journey into hockey and and I always enjoyed your story because it was kind of like you you got real hungry and you went after it and you, you there's no letting up for you. You're you're the type of guy that's going to go after and going to go get it. Um can you give me a little bit of background as to how you got into the game again just just for our listeners?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I played hockey my whole life growing up and uh Uh, when I was 16, um, you know, I had some, some unfortunate family events happen. My, uh, my mom was, um, my mom was killed in a construction accident when I was 16, uh, March 31st, 1992. Um, but three months prior to that, I lost my Nana. So my mom's mom to cancer. And so it's kind of like a one, two punch lost, uh, lost two moms pretty much at once because, uh, my Nana wasn't around. My mom wasn't vice versa. Um, you know, kind of and that was at the point right there where I was playing double A Kitchener. I was trying to make the triple A feeder team next year. Cause I wanted to try to get drafted. I, you know, it was my goal to be a Kitchener Ranger. And, uh, um, you know, the following year when I tried out for the team, I, uh, received an injury. I broke my hand. I got slashed. Um, mm-hmm. still remember the kid's name. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, fast forward, I went back to college a few years later uh, became a paramedic and then two years later, a firefighter. And then I picked up hockey again. And um, you know, we'll fast forward again to 2010. I I had an accident at work with my crew. Uh, we fell into a basement at a at a mar- marijuana grow lab fire, and it just kind of tripped the switch in me. And then I said, you know, life's life's real short. I've I've kind of lived through something with my own family, and now I've been through something major as as a you know as a professional firefighter with my colleagues and. Um, yeah, I just decided at that point, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take another stab at hockey and see what I can make of it. And, and as the process started, I just, I was having so much fun with it. I'm like, you know, this is going to be a lot of work, but I mean, I have nothing to lose because it's not like I was trying to make a team to feed my family. I was, I was trying to get better incrementally every day and I was having fun doing it. And my end goal was always to play at the highest level I can. Um, and, and I just, you know, it's, that's kind of just how I've always viewed it every time I go to the rink or the gym or the Muay Thai club. And I, uh, to train, um, you know, put myself in a position that I can try to excel at the highest level possible. Um, and uh, yeah, go from there and keep having fun.
1: Kevin, uh, take us through the um, what was going through your mind when you got the opportunity or the call uh, to go over and play in Sweden, and how long and difficult was that journey journey to get to that point?
2: Uh, it, it was something like I had I had played a couple of games in the Federal Hockey League for the Steel City Warriors. And, um, one of my teammates, uh, one of the goaltenders, he was going to Sweden. And he said, "You know, why don't you contact uh, a friend of mine and and send some video over and." You know, if you'd like to go over and live in Sweden and see the culture and, I mean, Scandinavia, Sweden and Norway and Finland and Iceland, they're beautiful countries. Like, I -hmm. I could live there in a heartbeat. So I said, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's go over and see how the European game is is played and how they train. And it'll be kind of like, you know, a nice opportunity to travel the world to meet some new people and, and play some hockey. I was probably on the ice less there to be honest with you than i was at home training because there they you know they 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 play less games in the season um we had bye weeks so there were some weekends where we wouldn't play um and then uh yeah it just it just kind of transpired like that i went over and um i played i actually got uh nasal cellulitis the first week i was there probably from something in the dressing room and uh played my first game just as i got out of the hospital um so that was a fun experience. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was an incredible experience. Um, I, I just, I can't wait to get back there and visit some friends and, you know, maybe uh, skate on the Olympic ice again. So,
0: Any, uh, any players that you played with over there that kind of stood out to you that, uh, you know, um, maybe, maybe guys to look at uh, either playing overseas uh, or, or eventually over here that, uh, you know, listeners could keep an eye on.
2: Well, that, you know, I, I was playing at the D3 levels, so not not at that level, but I, I did have the, uh, the privilege of going to see uh, Mora play because of, of where I was living in relation to that, and I actually watched Pierre Engvall a lot uh, when he was mm-hmm. playing for Mora, and I knew he was a draft pick by the Leafs, and I said, hey, I, I looked at him and I said, man, this guy, you know, he's tall, he can skate, uh, he has a really good puck presence, um, I said, I, I really believe... I believed that he was going to play for the Leafs. So that's uh, th- that's probably the only one I can say. Um, we had a lot of ex-NHL guys, ex-professional guys from North America that when they migrated back to Sweden, live in their little towns, they would play for their, their hometown hockey team. Uh, and we were in a really competitive division, even though it was division three. Um, my team was relegated the year before due to financial reasons. And the year before, or the year before that, they were in the at the D one level, which is a highly respectable level of hockey in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting how the tiered system there works with sports. But um, you know, I had a really good time, and uh, they, they can really skate over there, and they can really pass the puck well. I think because a lot of guys play together from such a young age, it's just a different game in, in a lot of senses.
1: Kevin, you're looking at your elite prospects page said you scored twice. I mean, at the pro level to get to that point, it must've been like really a great, um, <clears throat> a great moment for you to, you know, get to, get to that point and to score, what was going through your mind at that point And what emotions <laughs> were you feeling?
2: Well, yeah, my elite prospects page. It's, uh, it definitely, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, at least something to be desired, but I'll, I'll tell you the, the few goals that I've scored so far, um, I hold them pretty, you know, they're pretty special to me. The The first one I got in Sweden, I, I literally, I went from the hospital, um, in a little town called Falun, and I left the hospital at 4 p.m. I drove home. We drove to the rink, almost hit a moose in the ditch and mm. I scored a goal. And I, and it, the way I scored the goal, um, I had some help from a gentleman in Toronto and I, I he showed me some things on the ice, and I ended up scoring the goal. And uh, I messaged him on LinkedIn, and I said, "Hey, I uh, scored the goal just like how you showed me this little trick on the ice one day." And so that that was pretty special to me. Um, so I, I, I that was really important. And then uh, when I scored in Port Huron, we drove from uh, Milton to Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, the next day through an ice and snowstorm to uh port Huron and then I tried to take a nap, but there was a kids' hockey tournament coming on like going on that weekend and the kids were playing mini sticks in the hall. And I couldn't friggin' fall asleep because the kids were in the <laughs> hall playing mini sticks. So yeah, I had to just suck it up and go to the game uh after driving for like five hours from from Battle Creek. Um I don't know if you've ever done the drive from Battle Creek to Port Huron, but it's it's a nice drive but not in the snow and ice. And uh, <laughs> I ended up, you know, tipping a shot by Joe Pace. And, and you know, it, I, like, like I said, I'm, I haven't had tons of success as far as points in games. Mm-hmm. But it was so special to me. It's like a drug, man. You want to keep doing it, you know. Yeah. And, and I think the more games, if if some way, shape, or form, I could, you know, manage to play at a level that I could actually, uh, you know, pay the mortgage, that, uh, that I, I could – you know, I, I might be a goal per game guy just because I think my tenacity and my my skill set, what I can bring and I'd be interested to see. But um, that, that's my belief in myself and uh, um, I'm rambling a little bit. But, you know, the, that, that's what those goals meant to me, because it was just a, it was a culmination of so many things. Like I drove eleven hundred kilometers in one weekend to play two hockey games and get one goal. Like mm-hmm. who does that? Right. But like a lot of guys do, but I was like, wow, like, like, I love the game. I love the game so much. Like I would do it all over again, you know?
0: Yeah. That's kind of what I was touching on early with uh, saying like, you know, you're you're obviously anybody who follows you on social media sees that you're, you're a hungry guy. You're, you kind of get after it. And, um, you know, you and I talked about it last time where uh, you got to have that support system as well. And, you know, obviously going over to Sweden, um, you know, that's that's a that's a big trip as well. and And talk to me about uh, you know your your support system that you have that uh, kind of helps you through all of this.
2: Well, you know getting to Sweden it was uh, it was interesting when i when I decided that it was something I wanted to undertake. I had a a great number one, I, I mean my wife was very uh, supportive of me doing it. Um, maybe a little stunned at first, but I, I really felt like there was something that I needed to do. Or I would have had deep regrets down the road. Um, and, and second, my workplaces were extremely supportive. Uh, the fire chief at the time, Michael Clark, was nothing but accommodating. Um, you know, my paramedic chief, uh, Peter Dundas, and then in York Region, uh, you know, Alex Golick. I mean, in scheduling, the scheduling people were so good with me. And, and I've, I've been with those three organizations for, you know, 18 to 20 years. Um, you know, I try to behave at work for the most part. And uh and people do you favors once in a while so um but i just felt you know i kind of live life with no regrets and uh you know that that was the goal and and i was very lucky to have that support system to go there
1: kevin uh, obviously you post your videos online to twitter um i'm kind of jealous at how you're able to maintain that compete level and that energy because i'm just winded and i'm you know only 28 years old but mm-hmm what led you to making those videos and the decision to put other people could see them? Was it kind of like your demo reel to still show off that you, Hey, I'm still here. I can still play. This is what I'm going to be doing.
2: Yeah. So I had an agent, um, a number of years ago at Uptown sports and Don had Don Reynolds. He he was a really nice man. Or he is a nice man. And, uh, they, they have a really good, good thing going there. And, you know, Donnie sent off a bunch of uh, some clips and things like that to some teams. And when they saw my date of birth, they, they thought, did you mean 85? I'm not saying, he's like, no, it's 75. And, you know, that was a little bit discouraging or, you know, very discouraging to to some, you know, potential scouts or coaches or GMs. Um, and I just kind of looked at it as like, you know what, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. There's a lot of athletes in the world who compete at a really high level you know, into their late twenties, thirties. I mean, maybe I'm a bit of an exception, um, but I have always managed to take care of myself. I mean, primarily obviously for work, right. Because my life depends on it. And, uh, it's just my thing, you know, staying in shape. I, I love to compete. I love to push myself and it's just translated into hockey real well. And I try to train very intelligently and I, I work with some of the best people in the GTA to get that accomplished. And, uh, you know, I, I just said to myself, I'm like, okay, you know what? The, this agent thing is not working. So I'm going to basically put out so many videos, I'm going to make people sick of them seeing videos. They're going to be sick <laughs> of seeing. And, you know what? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it worked because um, Jamie Rivers used to play for the St. Louis Blues. He was kind enough to. Um, helped me gain a tryout with the Rapid City Rush of the East Coast Hockey League the other, the other year. So, in seeing the videos, he saw some video, he sent it off to the, you know, the assistant coach and the coach and the GM and, and uh, you know, they're linked up with the, with, with uh, Arizona Coyotes right at the moment, but, you know, that, that got me a tryout with the East Coast Hockey League. At 43 years old, 43 and change, like you know that, that was as a result of pumping out the videos and putting out videos that isn't why I train I don't train to make videos
1: mm-hmm. but
2: if I'm going to bust my ass training I might as well film it and then try to showcase what I have mm-hmm. you know and, and and I think it's worked to some extent I mean you know if, if people are put off by it or think it's narcissistic it's, it's purely it's not it's just you know we're kind of running out of time here and uh, so I gotta get I got to get as much out and I got to try to uh, do anything and everything I can to make something happen. And and my attitude is no different. It it wouldn't matter if I signed with a club tomorrow and didn't put out any videos because I'd be too busy with hockey and practice. I would still be training as hard, maybe harder, you know, so, you know, the the training's not going to change. It's just, I thought if I'm going to work this hard. I'm going to want to get something out of it. Yeah.
1: Now you you talked about your journey. I mean, a lot of adversity that you you've overcome. Um, with everything that you've done up until this point, um have you ever thought about possibly doing motivational speaking? Um you know, passing your story on to others and let them th- uh, let them see that hey, even when, you know, things may not be going your way, you have the opportunity to achieve your goals no matter what.
2: 100% I thought about it, but I can't move on to that right now because I have an objective to achieve,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: and I, I feel like I need to keep pushing, you know, the day will come when maybe the tables will turn and and I'll, I'll kind of look more into that, but I still think I have a lot to give, uh, as far as an athlete. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep pushing until my body says, you know what, pal, like maybe, maybe it's time to shut her down or slow down. And I'd love to move into skills development someday, possibly coaching. Um, you know, I, I like working with the young guys and the young girls doing some skills coaching. And, you know, I've had some really great mentors that way. And I think, I think it's really something I'd like to do. Um, but as for right now, I've got to stay focused on the task at hand. And uh, that's making myself the best player, trying to compete at the highest level. And then that'll carry over to everything else.
0: So, Kevin no no crystal ball in front of you um, obviously with the year the way it's going the world the way it is right now um, what's what's next for Kevin Porter?
2: well I any mean, truth be told I, I really don't know and that's I guess that's maybe a, a little bit scary to some people I and mean, you know I've been very fortunate with the line of work I'm in I've been able to work and uh, you know have gainful employment all the way through this um, as my wife so we haven't had that stressor so I've kind of just been able to focus on training and I I honestly looked at this whole COVID situation as um I gotta get ahead I gotta get ahead of the curve you know we actually moved we moved uh we bought a house during COVID I trained during COVID I you know I just I just said to myself I'm like I'm not letting this get me down there's no I'm trying not to swear there's so there's no way that i'm going to let all this hard work go to waste you know and i and i know a lot of guys haven't been training and haven't been able to get ice and i just said you know what i've been really fortunate in the sense that i've been able to um and i've just been putting my best foot forward and you know and i'm ready like i'm ready to go so if anyone out there is interested in a fourth line grinder (laughs) you know if, if i can go train uh for an hour straight after working a 24 hour shift, I'm pretty sure I could go out there and and give it my all for 40 seconds uh, during a shift. So that's kind of been my mentality and it hasn't wavered and it's not going to waver. And, uh, you know, I just, that's just the way it is.
0: Well, Kevin, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So I just wanted to say you've got, obviously got the support of the, uh, the sticks and the six boys here. And, Mm -hmm. um, like I said at the beginning here, um, you know, you reached out when uh, my wife and I were going through a tough time and uh, obviously I consider you a friend and uh, anything we can do to support you, um, we will and we appreciate you coming on today.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, Andrew. I, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, for anyone listening, like just like, you know, put your head down, get through it. It's, you know, there's there's always someone worse, right? There's always someone in a worse situation. There's always someone in a similar situation, but it's how you reading and reacted adapt and overcome you know you, you learn something every time you lose or don't get something I know I you know I, I just try to use it in a positive light and uh, and just keep cranking the vice and you know like I said we're back at the Ford Center tomorrow and I'm gonna crank the vice you know, like'm I'm, I'm ready to go already so you know you just gotta just do it
1: be yeah, thank Kevin. you Kevin I was just about to add, Kevin, you have a really great outlook on life right now. You're very positive and very upbeat, given with everything going on right now. Um, we could we could use some of that in these times. So hopefully your positivity rubs off on all of us and we can see, you know, some light at the end of this uh, tunnel. So we again, you have our support right here. We appreciate you coming on and thank you so
2: much for doing this. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a productive week. You as well, bud. Thank you. Hey, okay, guys. You too.
0: Well Peter that was an awesome interview with Kevin uh like I mentioned you know anybody who doesn't follow him on you know Twitter Instagram go hit this guy up this guy mm-hmm. just is an absolute gamer pounds the pavement gets the job done he's at the gym every single day pays for his own ice um wants to be uh, you know wants to play pro hockey and you know he's in his mid 40s like this is a guy who's just Who's just putting down the grind? If if you want to talk about inspiration coming from a guy like Wayne Simmons, like look at look at this guy, go follow him, see what he's mm-hmm. he does. He's played uh, in different leagues across the globe here, um, but uh, you know just a a, a stand up guy. Yeah, no, his his
1: determination, his drive, his personality, and everything that I mean, he's told the story in the interview. Everything that he went through, just you can't help but want to root for him every step of the way and you want him to achieve his goal you want him to succeed and he's just so uh his again his character um his outlook on life especially um is what stands out to me the most
0: and it's it's you hardly see that anymore nowadays yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And like I said, if you had, if you don't follow him yet, definitely hit him up on on Instagram and Twitter. He's a guy that uh, you know great great to interact with. Uh, I mentioned it in the interview. Uh, you know, reached out to me and my wife when we were going through some hard times with uh, with pregnancies and stuff like that. So um, you know, just a stand up individual. And um, you know, we we here at the podcast obviously wish him the best and hope that uh, he gets the opportunity he's looking for and. Uh, you know we fully support, uh, fully support what he's what he's what he's doing in his adventure in in the hockey world. Uh, aside from that, Peter, another great episode. Next episode we're going to be hitting the ten mark. You know you you say it every time. Double digits already. It seems like these past nine weeks have just been a, a flurry of of hockey talk. We just sit here. We 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 kind of you know, throw, throw thoughts out at each other. It's, it's, you know, what we, uh, us armchair GMs love to do. Um, but, uh, you know, just, I just wanted to say like, you know, we record Saturday or Sunday mornings. Uh, we try to get it up Tuesday. This will be ready for the NHL draft, uh, Mm -hmm. on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, um, I, I just, I just, I'm enjoying it so far. It's been nine Mm -hmm. weeks, like I mentioned. And, uh, you know, we we've had a lot of fun with it.
1: Where has the time gone? Like, it it just seems like yesterday that we just started doing this and now already we're on double digits and I can't believe it, that we've got to this point already.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, um, you know, we're not, we're not a PSA podcast at all, but guys, we're going to do this once again, because it seems like it's a weekly thing. Our numbers in Ontario are going up with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. please 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 none of us want to go back to phase two but that's where we're headed because nobody wants to listen put your masks on clean your hands stay within your bubble okay yeah let's get this done so that we can go back to a normal life as normal as it can be definitely and like
1: I understand the frustration with everybody, like like being in quarantine for months and months on end, the shutdown and everything like that. I get it. I mean, I'm you don't think that, you know, we want I want to go out and see my friends, give them a big hug that we overcame this. I want to do that. But we can't because these numbers keep on increasing. And the more that we don't listen the more we're still going to have to suffer and go back and stay in the lockdown and follow the rules again. We, I mean, you still got to follow the rules no matter what, but just listen up. The quicker we get, well, not quicker because it is a pandemic, the, the more we follow the rules, the more we listen to the doctors and, uh, you know, uh, infectious disease specialists and everything like that, the more we listen to them, the more we can get back to normal. We can't just ride this out and wait, oh, you know, yeah, okay, let's just wait for the vaccine. Great. That's not going to happen. Just listen. Listen, listen, listen. Put the mask
0: on and just do the right thing. Yeah, and uh, like I said, if we have to keep talking about this every week, we don't want to make it a boring podcast. But, guys, like this is, it, it's it's getting to a point where, um, you know, it's just getting stupid. It's getting stupid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, none of us want to be going through this. Just do your do your due diligence, get the job done, okay? You know, grind like Kevin, grind yeah. like Kevin and get the job done.
1: Um, have that have that mentality, have that outlook, have that positivity because we can get through this and it's only by adhering to the rules where we'll all get back to some sort of
0: normalcy. Yeah, hundred percent. Aside from that, Again, thank you to everybody who takes the time to listen to these. I know we, we shoot the, we shoot the shit for two, two hours. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the fact that you guys tune in and listen and, and, uh, you know, I, I've had people, you know, kind of send us quick messages just saying that they, they're loving the episodes and we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys. The more you listen, the better the product that we can make. So tell your friends, hit us up on, on Twitter Hit us up on Instagram, um, you know. Send us messages personally, Peter. Yeah. Let our listeners where, know where they can find you. Let us, let our listeners, know what you've got upcoming at the Hockey Writers. Um, you could find me at P B A R A C C H I
1: N I. What I've got going on is obviously I'm taking part in the draft coverage, so um, there's going to be um, some a recap coming on later on. And also, I'm going to throw this as a little quarantine question out there as well. I did the numbers, I looked at the stats, and I tried to compare the two together. And there are some similarities between Braden Point and Nick Robertson. Obviously, Braden Point is way further in his development. But after seeing Braden Point break out during the playoffs, I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that maybe Nick Robertson... Could follow the same path as Nick Robertson, so I just want to throw this out there. Who do you see Nick Robertson as a better comparable, Braden Point or Jake Gensel?
0: Beautiful. Uh, I'll, I'll let's get that on the Twitter and we'll see what the poll, what you, our listeners, what our readers uh, think. Um, I I see him more as a Braden Point. Um, that said, I mean we've only gotten a, a little taste of uh nick robertson and and yeah. i'd love to i'd love to see more of him at the nhl level next season but mm-hmm. uh yeah i am I'm, I'm leaning towards Braden point it's
1: early on like you said i don't want to say oh nick robertson is brayden point no that's not how i'm going through with this I, that's why i looked at the stats before and i compared their draft years to each other in terms of stature and speed and smarts yeah I think Brayden point, but his shot is just as lethal and just as deadly as Jake Gensel's. And that's why I want to draw that comparison. I want to get the fans takes. I'm even going to post it on my uh, Twitter as well as the, uh, as sort of a general question to see what fans think as well. Beautiful.
0: Um, yeah, guys hit up uh Peter, see what he's got coming out next. Um, you can also find the show on Twitter, Sticks in the Six, S T I X I N T H E Six I X P O D. Um, or you can follow myself, Andrew G. Forbes, on Twitter as well. I'm coming out with the, the top five uh, Swedish, underrated Swedish prospects in the 2020 draft. So have an eye out for that. We've got draft coverage coming your way. And aside from that, we will see you next week. See you.